On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses fishes rain gods with zippos. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Paul Zotter, Ken Gregory, and birthday boy, Tom Corcoran, as we cover Fish's Rain Gods with Zippos. Happy birthday, Mucho. Happy birthday, Mucho. Thank you very much. What a way to spend a birthday. I'll My tell God. you I'll tell you what, this is this is a pretty good way to uh to spend it. Now, it's been actually been a, a few couple weeks since we covered Sunsets on Empire. And you know, I I took the time before we were originally supposed to record this, and I strongly encouraged Paul and Ken to really give this album, you know, a fair shake. And and I have to say that even I, in the extra week that we have have had, have fallen more in love with this record than I was before. And I've always kind of liked this record, so I, I'm I'm really excited to talk about th- this. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. When you when you talk about this and and at the end of the last episode, you know, I kind of got giddy and, and a little stupid. It was late at night, uh, just becoming fixated on the the title "Rain Gods with Zippos." It it tickled my funny bone. It still does, and it, it even tickles it more because I was thinking about it. I'm like, how do you get away with that? But sure enough, if you look on the on the cover, there is a trademark symbol right there next to Zippos. So you know, Fish is covering his his legal bases here. And uh, I just think I, I think it's spectacular. You know, we figured out Sunsets on Empire was produced by Stephen Wilson, but he didn't play a lot of guitars on it. And he does not produce Rain Gods with Zippos, but he plays a lot of guitars. So, you know, it, it you know, it's it's the other end of the, the Stephen Wilson experience with Fish. And, and I'm very happy with it. This is amazing. Um, yeah, I've had a um, quite a roller coaster ride with this album. Over the years, um, actually, some quite extremes uh, with this <laughs> album. So I, um, I'm, I'm very looking forward to to talking about this because this is um, this is a very interesting album. So it's a great way to spend a birthday evening for me. Well, good. I'm glad the calendar kind of worked out this way, Tom, and I'm glad that you were able to uh, to spend your time with us this evening. So we appreciate your family. Uh, you know, giving you a, a couple hours for us. That's 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 part of my birthday present from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played. I honestly don't have a whole lot more preamble for this. I don't know if if Paul and Ken, you have any preamble, or you want to save it for after we we provide some context and some particulars. I leave it up to you. All I'll say as a preamble is, I forget how you characterized it, Joe, but it was. It was ve- it was very good. You're referring to at least me being very pedestrian when it comes to my 
interest and knowledge of the fish catalog. But it's really hard to, you know, take take where I where I was coming from listening to fish and then look at this album cover with a goofy fish in like a trench coat and hat with the name rain gods with zippos and have any desire whatsoever to say, yes, I think I'd like to listen to that. <laughs> like it was a, it was, it was a decades long hurdle for me. And I'm, fi- I'm so happy that I finally got over it, but it was, it was legitimate. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because if I may just tell the story again, I think I told it on one of the other fish episodes, but that you just brought up one of the, the main reasons that I had such a hard time with it. I, I basically sunsets on empire was always hit me hard and it hit me right when it came out. It was, it was a big part of my music listening life. And I was living in, West Hollywood at the time, and I had been listening to Sunset on Empire. I had just seen him on 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 Sunset Boulevard, uh, a play, you know, uh, about six eight months prior, and heard that he was coming out with a new album, and I heard it was out, and so I I walked down Sunset Boulevard to the the Tower Records. I had my disc man. <laughs> and I had the, the shoulder harness for my disc man. And, um, ah, the good old days. Yeah. So I was like all decked out and all, all ready to go. Oh my God. Fish is coming out with a new album. I, it was a little bit of a, a walk to get down the other end of sunset. Um, so I go there and I pick it up and I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, rain gods with zippos. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like looking at this. And I'm like going like the picture is just sort of ridiculous. And I'm just, uh, I'm like, all right, I'm maybe I just don't understand something. I'm, I'm so I buy it, but it was my first reaction. You know, you're, you're looking at this going, okay, do I want to invest in this emotionally? Um, of course I did. I bought it <laughs> and popped it in the, the, my, my, my disc man and headed back on Sunset Boulevard. And I won't get into the whole thing because song by song, we're going to be, be talking about all this. But um, after Tumble Down, I had a hard time with it uh, to the extent that I was really upset. And I know you guys know that I, I'm sort of, I, I take things a little bit dramatically at times and I, I sort of go off probably when I, I shouldn't, but I, I'm, I'm often very hard on the things I love the most. And so I was, I was very hard on this album. And by the time I got home, I was, I, I just, I, I didn't get it. And I was not hearing what I wanted to hear. I, I wanted to sort of hear sunsets on empire part two. <laughs> and I wasn't, it just, it, Things were not going well with this listening. And to make a long story short, I ended up not listening to Fish for like a couple of years after this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. I, I, I was just, I, it was sort of like, he, he like broke my heart. I felt like somebody had just like, you know, stabbed that, me. That is and, like the dichotomy of us listening to music, right? If it's 
Right. If it if it was Sunsets on Empires Part Two, you would have been like, ah, this is just a rehash of what he just did. Right. Right. But instead, it's, it's so different. Yeah. It's a it's it's a no win situation, and <laughs> uh, you know, years later, of course, I you know rediscovered it, if you will, and I I I'd like to think that I appreciate it for 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 what it is now. But Paul, to get back to what you said, it is very hard to get over the cover of this, you know, because it's like. Is it first person? Is he the rain god? Is he, you know, what, what's going on? And is it, you know, you think of, you're thinking, you know, is there a better way that you could have communicated? But um, that being said, uh, this is a glorious album. I'm, I'm glad that I o- opened it up o- over the years. Um, and uh, it's certainly worthy to talk about. But um, it, I did have a hard time with this album at first. For the record, I love the cover and I love the title. <laughs> I just, of course. It it just. I, I mean, that hat is badass. How can you not love that hat? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And who doesn't love a Zippo lighter? I don't even smoke, and I love Zippo lighters. It's 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 it's, it's a nice lighter. I'll give you that. It's a very nice hat. Yeah, it's nothing about the Zippos or the hats. It's just putting it all together. It just <laughs> leaves me questioning things. Mm. It's 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 not even close to the weirdest thing that Fish has ever worn. I mean, think about the Harley <laughs> Davidson outfit with the black and the red flames and all the shit and the army helmet, the Fugazi shit, and yeah, and you and you guys are gonna harp on a on a trench coat. Maybe that's what it is. It's it's it almost looks like he went. It's like it almost looks like he went on a diet. He hit the gym. He does look pretty svelte. Yeah, and and like I don't know. I, uh, he, he, and it's he, like he, even got like a little James Bond action going on with the swirl around it. It's just kind of yeah, odd. it kind of does. You're right. Mm. You know, it, it's interesting. I think a lot of times, you know, you can you can kind of overlook some of what Mark Wilkinson does on the Fish records. Um, you know, he he puts together a lot of different images, and and. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's this. I'm going. I'm going to just mock myself here, but it's it's the right sort of whimsy for me. Hey, did you guys hear the one about the supergroup with Fish and David Longden? They call it Big Big Train Gods with Zippos. <laughs> 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 right, sorry, <laughs> you wanted whimsy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> 1997 was an interesting year. I mean, you guys can't believe what went down in 1997. Would you believe that Rick Wakeman departs? Yes. I've heard that story. Two people came in. Igor Koroshev, of course, on keys. And longtime band affiliate Billy Sherwood joined as a full member. Also in 1997, who left Queensryche? (laughs) <laughs> Jeff DeGarmo. Yep. Chris, Chris DeGarmo. Chris DeGarmo. Oh, Chris, Jeff DeGarmo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was either Chris DeGarmo or Jeff Tate, so you just make him one. That's perfect. That's right. So so it's an interesting year. I mean, I mean, for some people, that's when Queensryche died. Um so so Sunsets on Empire, 1997. What is Fish think, thinking? What is he listening to? What's in his head that will create his new masterpiece? We can only guess. Also, um, 
in 97, uh, the competition, Marillion, had this strange engine. Oh, beautiful. Uh, I, I love the fact that... <laughs> you, have you ever heard that trivia question, name a Canadian progressive rock band that is not Rush? Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard one. <laughs> it's it a hard one. <laughs> Yeah, but th thanks, thanks to Wikipedia, Godspeed, you Black Emperor. They, 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 uh, they were very active during this period. Okay, Calling All Stations, Genesis, also 1997, Keys to Ascension 2, yes, Open Your Eyes, yes, a lot of crazy shit going on in 1997, switching to 1998, oh, Liquid Tension Experiment. I just realized the dark side of our favorite bassist, Tony Levin and in liquid tension experiment oh everybody's active steve hackett's box beard um opeth radiation from marillion 97 is, is 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 weird but it's very i don't know chemical it's very reactive it's very violent finally hitting 1999 got some Got some porcupine tree, liquid tension experiment, Mr. Bungle, Jethro Tull, yes, the latter, Neil Moore, self-titled, Merlion.com in that year. T Tom, you were literally studying graphic design at that time, weren't you? I was, actually. Literally. Yes. And where, where did you go to school for the benefit of the Flavorland? You went to... Uh, uh, I, um, I got a, a two-year associate's degree in graphic design from Santa Monica College. There you go. <laughs> And, and it, yeah, it, it, it really paid off. You're, you, you are one of the few sound designers in, you know, Southern Cali with uh, legit uh, graphic design skills. So, you know, wear it, man. So as we mentioned, Rain Gods with Zippos was released sometime in 1999. We don't exactly know where, when, on the label Roadrunner and produced by Elliot Ness, a man with, I would like to point out, no Wikipedia page. The personnel on this record quite extensive list fish on vocals um stephen wilson on guitars bruce right. watson on guitars and mandolin robin bolt on guitars tim pullman on guitars phil grieve on guitars steve uh vances is uh does plays bass and double bass tony terrell on keyboards piano organ harmonium programming string arrangements and samples Mickey Simmons on keyboards, piano, piano and programming. Dave Stewart on drums. Davey uh, Crichton on violin, fiddle, and string arrangements. Dave Haswell, percussion. Elizabeth Antwi on uh, lead vocals on Isn't she great? track three. Absolutely. And backing vocals on Tumble Down. Nicola King, backing vocals. Tony King, backing vocals. Mo Warden, the... Spoken outro on uh, vocal on track 12. Mark Daghorn, programming on Plague of Ghosts. And Elliot Ness, string arrangements and samples. Would you believe that, that with all those guitarists, the, the guy who played the most live, I think, was John Wesley. Really? That's he, funny. He, he, he's credited in the, in the extended tracks on uh, Spotify. Hmm. Uh, Fish gives him a shout out. Cool. When he introduces the band. Wasn't Elliot Ness the name of the guy who arrested or busted up Capone? The the Untouchables. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do you think that's it a, is indeed. Do you think that that is a pseudonym? It for, could very well be. 
the people who produced this. I, and that's I don't know. It would match the cover, wouldn't it? It would. Right? Little little subterfuge. <laughs> Maybe. So the track listing, <clears throat> tumble down, mission statement, incomplete, tilted cross, faith healer, rites of passage, and then it finishes up with the magnum opus Plague of Ghosts, including Old Haunts, Digging Deep, Chocolate Frogs, Waving at Stars, Rain Gods Dancing, and Wake Up Call, Make It Happen. Rain Gods with Zippos is a 1999 progressive rock album by ex-Marillion vocalist Fish. It was released on the Roadrunner record label, more well known for its heavy metal releases. Rain Gods with Zippos is often hailed as one of Fish's greatest solo achievements, along with his 1990 debut, Vigil in a Wilderness of Mirrors. It is the first of three Fish albums to be produced by Elliot Ness, not including the best-of collection Kettle of Fish from 1998, with which Ness was involved. While he was not involved with the production of this album, Stephen Wilson, most famous for his work with Porcupine Tree, played guitar on several of the tracks. So, there you go. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of a masterpiece. I, I gotta say, time-wise, when I listen to this, it takes me back. I, I think we romanticize the years before our births and, and shortly thereafter, when we weren't fully formed people, because we can experience the music of that era in, in, in a total vacuum and, 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 and just experience it however we want to. But when I experience this, it takes me back to the 90s. I mean, you couldn't go to a bar in philadelphia or wherever it was i was at the time and not hear like some kind of techno beat mixed in with whatever it else was what was going and you know um i think they make really good work of programming in here by 1999 all the the, the dinky stuff that we think of on 90 215 and, and whatever else it is fully advanced and you can do whatever you want with a reasonable amount of effort and, and, and get really great program drums. I, I just, I feel like, <laughs> do, do you guys follow me here? Like the electronics are, are, are like quality by this point and they're, and, and then they're using them really well here. I, I wouldn't necessarily point to 90125 as, as a counterpoint, but maybe a momentary lapse of reason, which, you know. Is, oh, I love that one, but it, okay. Well, I, no, I, well, I love them both, but I mean, you know, by, by Gilmore's own admission, you know, they, they tried to be very cutting edge and, and it has a timestamp on it, which I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, but it was a little, it was a little less seamless at that point than it, it became, you know, 10 or 12 years later. So I'm not, I, I'm not sure I'm following. So are, it's are like, you, it's, are you it's saying Kendo no album? It I sounds mean, dated. No, the, the, I mean, I mean, it's, it's clear. A lot of this stuff was either written with click tracks or sequencers, but, but it's, but it's beautifully dated. I mean, it just, um, you know, so, okay. So, so fine. I, I played 
some fusion jazz thanks to my Drexel friends. It was nothing amazing, but but um, you know we, we did some stuff with, with with beats like that occasionally. And and then I played with uh, Mike Roy and uh, the brother Grim Crowd and everything. And they had this track that they did in the studio um, after I left with, with some beats. And this takes me right back to that era. And I just, I, 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 I love it. Because even though I didn't play on the studio track, once the, the, the bass player left, I played the live shows. I, I called myself the Rudy Sarzo of the band because I wasn't the Bob Daisley, but I got to be the, in the live show. I was the Rudy, Rudy Sarzo. <laughs> and I love um, some of that, that, that late 90s music. When, when, when all the crazy stuff that came before it finally gelled and you were allowed to mix rock and roll and techno. It was like, it, 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 thanks to Radiohead and whoever else came before, you could do this this stuff and, and, and you weren't going to piss people off. That, that's what I like about this era. Interesting. So uh, that brought it home for me right there, Ken. And it does kind of piss me off um, <laughs> because the funny part about this, so a couple of notes about the production is that, you know, when you think about, and it's funny that we brought up Yes, because when you think about like this strange engine, which I think sounds great, Merlin.com doesn't sound quite as good. Coming out, you know, in, in, in the vicinity of these two Fish albums, to me, this sounds, what? Rain Gods with Zippos sounds so much better than, than those two albums, so much better than, say, like, uh, um, what was the Yes album that came out uh, with uh, Igor and... Um, why can't I think of it? Open your, it eyes. Open your eyes. Or, or, open open your, eyes. your eyes. This sounds so much better than that. But what's funny to me about the production is that it throughout this whole album, I am either like melting in my in my seat, my chair, my couch, my bed, because I'm just going so gaga over how good it sounds, or I'm absolutely cringing at at what I'm hearing. And Sometimes it plays out where I just don't like a song because I it's just it's just not my boat. And then sometimes those two things collide at the same time, like in Tumble Down, where uh, like I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like <laughs> it's um so so I think I'm I'm tracking with you. I it has a it definitely has a different sort of uh impact on on me though. All right. Well we need we need a tiebreaker. <laughs> I mean I I like the production of it. I think that this is a hard one because as we'll talk about um, as, as we go through the songs, it's, there's a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of heavy music and then we have a lot of really soft moments. And, uh, and then at the end, we have the more fluid things. So it, it's, it's hard. There's, the production, to me, um, works well with what the production is given. Being that, you know, we're 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 given a lot of different dynamics in in the songs. This is sort of difficult to navigate because, you know, you have um, you know, Faith Healer and, and Tumble Down, which are sort of like the rock songs, and then you have a lot of uh, softer ones, and then then you have the techno things going on. So, I mean, there, there's really a lot going on in this album. So I think uh, um, 
what's what what we're given here um, is is a very ambitious uh, song song list, and I think the production does a good job of of bringing it all together, and I, I think it, it it does a good job of sort of um, you know pasting everything together, but um, it doesn't. It sounds full to me. It it, it, sound, it sounds good, and I, I think that's um. As far as a it was a very, I this must have been a very difficult album to produce, um, and I, we'll talk about this more when we get to the, from song by song. But this is a this I think is a is a, is a hard uh, is, is a hard album to produce because of the songs, not, not that the songs are good or bad. I'm just saying that they're very different from from one from one another, so it's it's a very am, am, ambitious thing that we're um, partaking in. So I I think it's a good production. That's 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 my it's my vote. Okay, all right, all right, good, good. So you're you're leaning more towards uh, my, my 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 argument. This is where yes. this is yeah. this this is well, where the rock and roll and the techno. Well, I, I, I you yeah. know I I think I think. Paul, you agreed that the the production overall is good. The sound is good. I think you maybe sure. have some content issues. Yes, that's yes. I'm very exactly. I'm very curious to get into that now. On the on the group text this week, there was a a request for some context for the title. Mm -hmm. I did my homework. I can give you Fish's own words. Nice. Ooh. The question posed to Fish was. What does the title, Rain Gods with Zippos, mean? Fish's answer. I don't really know. It's one of those things that come into your mind at 3 o'clock in the morning and you wake up and go, Rain Gods with Zippos. And then in the morning it's still there and you go, that's a great title for a new album. There's a lot of spiritual stuff on in this album. Rain Gods with Zippos is fire and water, the two elements that coexist but are the opposite of each other. So there you go. Fish doesn't even know. He just liked the way it sounded. There you go. Huh. Well, fire and water is interesting, though. So it, it, there is uh, a metaphor there. Um, it's probably, it sounds like it's a step up from King's X coming up with um, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. That seems like it was just completely yeah. thrown, it was thrown right out now. there. Yeah. Uh, it yes. seems like he did have a, a fire and water motif and it seems like that was the metaphor for that. So it's, it's a little bit of something anyway. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of cool. I was just going to say, it's like, you know, the old story about Paul McCartney wrote yesterday at the breakfast table and he looked down at his, and he looked down at his breakfast and he went ham and eggs. Da, 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 da. Right? It's kind of the same thing. He woke up and thought, rain gods with zippos. The difference was, Paul McCartney had some people around him going, you can't sing ham and eggs. I like that. You got to change it. But, okay. <sighs> All right. But at so, least I, I think the fire and water is a stretch. Like if you're going to make a metaphor for fire, fire and water, ah, I don't know if this is what you go with. But I, I just don't know what it means. And I think it's a little odd. And it was a big barrier to entry for me. But now I'm, I'm good with it. Now I'm, I'm rolling right along. So that's all I'm saying. And and as you kick it off, Joe, I, I just want to say, like, is the opening piano to tumble down like the it could be the, the most beautiful part of this whole record. 
It's pretty good. I, I love it. And I'm trying to find a quote in here that speaks to that um, specifically because it's, I think it's, it's pretty important. And that's Mickey Simmons playing that, right? I believe piano number one. Yeah. Beautiful. While Joe's looking, while we, I was supposed to be listening to this, I bought Sunsets on Empire, a deluxe CD edition. Nice. And, and Tom, I know that you, you've been a big fan of Feast of Consequences. So mm-hmm. I decided to buy that also at Extended. Just, you know, so that just arrived as I was like having a complete awakening to, the, to this album. And I was like, damn, I should have bought Rain Gods with Zippos. Why didn't I buy that one? <laughs> so uh, have you gotten a chance to listen to the Feast of Consequences yet? Or? Not since way back when, when you were like, you really need to listen to this. It's Okay. It's so really you, you haven't listened to your copy yet? No, I haven't listened to my copy. It's oh. got like a whole booklet and everything. So I'm excited oh, to wow. dig in. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I, I'm looking forward to hearing your, your, your thoughts on that one in particular. So if if we go into to tumble down and and Paul you had mentioned you know the the piano and it's it's really very striking right because that that's a very beautiful pastoral very serene opening to that whole thing and then when like the music comes in and you get that jarring guitar tone and you're like whoa what the hell and it just totally throws you off the axis you were on like you know, yes. the, the, the piano opens and you're kind of like, well, I don't know if I expected this, but this is kind of nice. And it goes on long enough that you kind of get into that groove. And then, like I said, you're you're kind of like, holy shit. So the, the way that Fish described that, and, and maybe I just didn't take a screenshot of it, um, is probably what happened. But he described that as almost being like the piano part is when you wake up in the morning next to... Um, you know, next to your your partner, and you know that initial sort of regaining consciousness is is very peaceful, and then you know when you realize you know that your partner's there, and you you sort of start to get tensed up about what the day has in store for you, and that's where that jarring guitar tone comes in, which I think is really really cool. Um, you know, I, I kind of I, I kind of reconciled myself to to that dichotomy anyway but when i heard fish describe it that way i was like wow that's even better i really really like it and um you know i know you guys are not nearly as um you know amused with the the title that as i am but i just love the way fish delivers that line rain gods with zippos i think he sings it with just the right amount of grit and Whatever it means, I think it's brilliant. I, I have a really good time with this song. I, I have to I tell you the story because it has to do with us in particular. But so yesterday I had some work done on my car. I had, I put a hitch on my car so I could put a bike rack on. I, I, I took it to the guy and um I needed a couple hours. So I walked down the street and there's a Dunkin' Donuts down there. So let's go. I'll you know, go to a Dunkin' Donuts and, and do some palaver homework um, while I'm, you know, outside. And, you know, people are starting to take their masks off outside now. And it's, it's sort of like you can almost have a little bit of um, at least a, a shred of normalcy. And so I pop on 
Rain Gods, and I start listening to Tumble Down, and I'm immediately <clears throat> reminded of something that I remember every single time that I have in my head, every single time I've ever heard this song. Every time I hear this song, I smile. And Paul, I think of you every time I hear this song. It's because it's, it's, it's that, it's, and I know you know what I, right now, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's that guitar riff for the tumble down. It's that King's X. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a King's yeah. X chord. It's yeah. that, what, Ox 13 or whatever, that, that King's X chord that's in um, <laughs> Seven you know, a lot nine. of those sounds. And yeah. I always picture Paul doing air guitar to that <laughs> and for some reason That's i just awesome. i picture paul doing air guitar to that because i remember we're always you know talking about you know king's x you know mm -hmm. when we, back in the day and we would uh, do a lot of air guitar and we would do a lot of air guitar to those to those chords and that's like just screams that just screams paul to me I so love that. i I'm, I'm i'm sitting there and i'm smiling and i'm like you know how great is it that I have never listened to the song and like not smile. You know, I mean, that's like what what music and friends are all about. So I, I just had this like great moment, um, Amen. of us and just like what we're doing and and everything, and it just sort of like all it all came around. So now, when I was done, I was like, God, how awful is it going to be if we're talking about this tomorrow? And Paul says, God, I hate that part. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm nervous right now. I'm like so nervous. Well, I don't what's, it's like what's really almost funny. Like, almost like 30 years of like smiling and thinking of Paul playing air guitar to this. And so it's like, is it all is all my dreams going to be shattered what, here or, or not? Well, what is really ironic is is that that that's the the bit of this song that that really does grate on me a little bit. Oh, um, I, oh no, I, I, oh. I do because because you're. 100% right, Tom. Like, I love that chord and I love its existence in so many places. And like, it seems so out of place there for me that, um, that, that, but the thing is, is I love the song so much that I just kind of go along with it, you know? And, um, and, and so, uh, yeah, it, but it's, it's funny that you brought that, that exact, up, that exact thing up because I do love that chord, but I do feel like it's a little out of place in this song. It's just kind of like, whoa. What but it's it's exactly what Fish needed at this point in his career because it's a dialogue. He starts off with a beautiful piano, he gets into this thing, and then it's it, it, it's a back and forth between the the, the full on rhythm section with with the the Jimi Hendrix chord and and the uh, and, and and the rest of it. So I, I thought it was perfect because I I am so sorry, but there were times before this where I accused. Um, Fish of being Derek Dick in a box because it was banned in a box and it was it was just it was just the keyboard played the same thing as the guitar in all of the songs and you didn't have dialogue between the instruments and this just fucking blows the lid off of the whole Fish catalog and I love it and whatever little nuance or you know little criticism or idea anyone has I'm thrilled because this th this is where where finally you know, the, the fish catalog lets the musicians be musicians. It, it's perfect. It's perfect. Wow. Oh, so this is amazing. So now 
I'm going to be listening to this song and I'm going to be thinking of Ken. Ken, well, Paul, <laughs> that's, you're that's fired. Awesome. Paul, Paul, you're fired. Ken, you're, you're in. When I, when I listen to this song, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, picture Ken exactly what you just said. The happy birthday. Uh, so I, it, it, I'm, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I found the quote. So I'm quoting Fish here. I mean, there was someone asking, why does it start with tumble down? Why does it start like that? And why do you use the acoustic but piano? And at the time, it just really felt right. I mean, let's open up the album with an acoustic thing, which is very delicate and at the same time is romantic. And then let's just cut it. And it was later on that I understood why. It's because it mimics the waking up in the morning with sunlight streaming through and your girlfriend's lying next to you. And then it suddenly hits you like a bullet of ice. And it's like the fear of the days come in and you become, it's kind of like you have the panic attack. Wow. That's cool. There you go. That helps. It's time to go to work. That that definitely helps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And I do like, you know, like rain gods with zippos, a tin man with a heart, the end with no beginning, a race without a start that you'll never win that you cannot lose and you fall apart. Like that's, that's some pretty heavy metaphors, I guess, you know, I mean, it make, it, it does make sense, you know, rain gods with Zippos, like what's a rain God going to do with a Zippo, right? <laughs> it's like a race you can't start. It's an interesting dichotomy and it fits well with, uh, with everything that we're talking about here. Yeah. And speaking of songs that don't connect with me musically, shall we move on to mission state? This is like, this is the one where I feel like Fish walked in and said, gents, today we're going to write a sting song, shall we? <laughs> well, it. I mean, you've looked at, you've looked at the writing credits on this, right? Of course I haven't. <laughs> All right. So this is the one time in the progressive palaver, and I'm going to have to edit this in where we get to put Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up on here. Because, oh, no. Yes, this song was written with Rick Astley. Yeah, I did see that. And oh, gosh, I, I mean, totally missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pink Floyd is touring with Spando Ballet. Who, who's the guy? I mean, I mean, all these British guys know each other. I mean, friggin... Video killed the radio star turned into yes. So what the fuck do you want? I mean, Britain's small country. <laughs> it does explain. It does may explain a little bit as to why. I mean, I don't it, like it as much. It's 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 definitely different. It's kind of ballsy that Fish decided to include it here. Um, I do. Th is it just me, or does this have kind of a radar love vibe to it? Yeah, it does. So, yeah, it's somewhere mm -hmm. between. Mm -hmm. Somewhere between Englishmen in New York and Radar Love. Yeah. Okay. I'm with maybe board. a little honky tonk thrown in for good measure. Maybe a which little must bit. Must be that poor Paul Thorne guy. I, I, all I'm going to say about this is that I I just don't connect to this song musically, and so I've never really been able to commit to it. And I actually think the words are pretty cool, but so I, I'm not crazy. You guys realize that Gary Kemp. Of Spandau Ballet toured with Nick Mason, Saucer Full of Secrets, right? Okay. And you know that Jeff Downs is in Yes. So I don't have anything personally against Rick Astley. I find it 
I mean, it's Peculiar only that. a natural progression of events that Rick Astley would be tied in to fish. <laughs> I, don't just know if, I don't know if it's a natural progression <laughs> of events. <laughs> wow. And, and, you know, so when we have all of these these business metaphors, I'm I'm immediately brought into the tubes completion backward principle where they had like, you know, the whole the whole aesthetic of that was was based, you know, upon that. Um, and, right. and there was there's a song on that record called Out of the Business. I, I would you know, if I have to have a, a rock and roll business metaphor song, I'll take out of the business over this. And, and I do. I mean, it's it's hard to argue the point that this song is certainly a little incongruous. But I mean, there's something about this that I guess, you know, Fish really liked. It's a little different. And I think without this track, the first half of this record would become very cumbersome. So it, it does break that up a little bit. As someone who skipped this track several times, I'll disagree with that statement. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you are kidding. Okay. All right. I love this. I mean, it is essentially a gospel song. And fine, it's appropriate. It's a white version of a gospel song, but it's fucking amazing. Um, and, and I like Rick Astley's contribution and what do we know about Paul Thorne? I don't know. I love his, his, his contribution. And I've, I've had this in the car. I've been running with it and, 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 and mission statement is, is, is now in my, I don't know. It is definitely my top few hundred songs. Wow. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, uh, that's top few hundred. Significant. Ken should publish a book. The few hundred songs you should hear before you <laughs> go running. <laughs> I think I think Paul Thorne is a an American Southern rock country Americana and blues singer songwriter. He gives you the honky tonk sort of twangy feel in here. So can, yeah, there's a there's a lot going on here. It's it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I I, I don't hate it. That's for sure. I, you know, I kind of I kind of groove to it sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Just just the the, the Rick Astley angle just makes me laugh every time I think of it. And not least of which because, you know, my kids play Fortnite. I play Fortnite with my kids. So I hear that freaking Rick Astley song all the time. Ellis loves it, which, you know, it just makes me laugh. Well, I mean, the words, quite simply, rather than changing the world, change yourself first. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and see where you get after that. You know, good, good luck with that part. And then you can talk about changing the world. But but think about this, right? Because this came up early fish lyrics, right? That was sort of that was sort of the epiphany, if you will, of misplaced childhood, right? And and to a a lesser degree of success in in clutching at straws. But this whole sort of inward journey and sorting out yourself before you can then project out and, and solve the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. But, but this has a much more uplifting feel to it than, than the, the inward journey of those records. Right. So I think we've seen in, in fish, the performer and fish, the, the lyricist and, and fish, the musician, such as it is, we've seen a definite growth. Um, over time, which is nice because again, if we if we go back to clutching at straws, 
you know, if he maintains that lifestyle, he won't reach 30. And clearly he has moved past it, and I think it's a good thing. Tom, I promised that for this album I would read the lyrics. So if you could uh, grant me this little uh, guilty pleasure here. The tears of hungry children are falling in the dust. The scraps of a rich man's table could fill their starving mouths. While some may thirst for water and others get drunk on wine, to some their life's a prison and they're out there doing time. I'm going to give you a mission statement. So, hey, he, he, you know, he's not Womad, but he's, he's fucking kicking ass. Thank you. That, that was, uh, I, I, I love that. You know, there, there really is a lot going on in this song. And I think back when I first heard this, you know, walking for the first time, with it in my disc man this was the song where what how old i was in my you know, mid mid late 20s i just i wasn't i wasn't ready for it i was like okay this isn't the fish i want to hear <laughs> i can't believe that I, I just i'm not i do not want to hear this song after a song like tumble down and that was sort of the beginning of the downward spiral at the time um but i i really do enjoy this song now and a lot for some of the same reasons that Ken brought up, and even some of the, the, the you know the lyrics that Ken read. I mean, there there is a lot of depth to the song, and there is a lot of texture to a lot of the the, the playing. It's 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 upbeat, and I I enjoy it. I think this song would be better suited, no unintended for suits. Mm-hmm. I think the the yeah. bounciness of the bounciness of it fits suits. And, you know, this is a sort of a, a deeper, darker album. And I, I don't know. It's a little bit of a <laughs> fish out of water. Okay, I'll, I'll stop with those. Um, it's, 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 it's a little bit jarring at first. And I, I don't know. You know how when we talked about King's X, we talked about they never really had the, the right idea for the single. Like they had like a great album, but they always chose the wrong single. It seems like there's like on a lot of these earlier Fish albums, there's at least one, maybe even two songs that should have been on like another album, and you just wish you could just like switch them around. And and I think I, I do enjoy this song very much, but I I I think the album overall would would be better if there, it was switched with you know, something else, and it just you just don't want to go from these sort of highs and lows as much as you do in the first half of this album. And mission statement is sort of like one of the reasons from its um, uh, brashness, if, if you will. So I, I like the song, but I, I wish it was on another album. It's interesting, Tom, because you know how like, like rush, right? Like, you know, side one was twenty one twelve, right? Um, but in caress of steel, Fountain of Lamneth was side two, you know, which is mm. kind of the way that this is, right? The plagues of plague of ghosts, I'm assuming a side two of the of the record. I think I would have been more more quickly attracted to this record if it opened with Plague of Ghosts as the first first half, and then mm. all these songs afterwards. I think I I think I would have been drawn into this album much, much more quickly, which I kind of feel is along the lines of what you're saying there. Because there is that, uh, you know, we, 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 we praise our prog heroes for doing this, right? For stretching themselves, for 
to providing variety and to expanding their growth and, and challenging our listening. But when they actually do it, we struggle right. with it sometimes. And I certainly <laughs> do with, with sure. some of the tracks here. While I agree with your, your premise there, Paul, fundamentally, I do think having Plague at the end, you do get some of the, the Rain God payoffs on the back end with, with having started with Tumble Down. But truth, truth. I want to credit the drummer bang this out um dave stewart scottish session drummer and percussionist and uh his credits are the blue nile the 90s version of camel let me see deacon blue fish in the 1994 through 1999 era and uh simple minds yeah there's this simple minds again this guy's got really good feel for me that's what gives it that opening that tight snare and his feel gives it the sting. Yeah. The sting. Feel yeah. 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 Nice. Okay. Shall we move on to incomplete? Hell yeah. So, oh. so we've got, we have three songs at the start of this record and the three songs are wildly different from each other. At this point, you don't know what the hell kind of album you have, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But incomplete Absolutely haunting and absolutely beautiful with just the right amount of mandolin, I might add. Now, Fish had had some things in this in this uh, interview to say about that. And I think it's it's to me again, it, it's funny how maybe ineloquent Fish can be when he's speaking, but it, it does still convey the, the fundamental intent behind the, the lyrics that really just kind of, you know, resonates with me. So he says, in a song like Incomplete, you've got two people together, and there's like a very high-level contact of love. But at the same time, between these two individuals, there's some lack of communication, some part that they just can't join. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. I would like to take my opportunity and read a, a couple of lines of, from the lyrics here. There's a wedding dress in a suitcase full of memories in the attic. I think of you. Where the ghosts of summer butterflies, they gather in the dust. I long for you. Ooh, I yeah. Just, I think that's utterly spectacular. And, and you know, Ken, when I, when I brought up the interplay between them is, I mean, vocally, absolutely wonderful. I think it really adds sort of the, the depth and texture to the song and creates that, that tension, right? I, I may be thinking too much into it, but there's um because it may just have been the style that they did the song. But I mean, Joe, you, you read my favorite, favorite lines from, from this and it's just so powerful. The, the music and the way it's delivered and they don't really sing it's so refreshing, right? Because every every time you hear something recorded in the last ten years vocally, everything is aligned perfectly, right? Yeah. Like every consonant. But they don't do that here. There's beginnings of lines that are a little different. They end. It's not in sync, and it's perfect for the song. You know, they're sitting there singing. You don't hear me anymore. You don't touch me anymore. You don't know me anymore. And they're and they're not singing it one hundred percent together, right? It's just out of sync. 
And I, I just think it's perfect for this song. And, and and I think it goes back to the way Fish described the song, right? The, the, they they just can't connect up. And yeah, and it it's such a, I think it's such an eloquent way to express that, and, and it really does, in my opinion, increase the power of the song. Mm. Elizabeth has a writing credit here, which is brilliant. Yeah, this song is. Mm. I mean, again, at, at this point, like I said, you don't know what kind of album you, you really have in your hand, but I don't know that at this point anyone really cares because yeah. this song is just like, well, this is awesome. Yeah, this this like takes my, you know, the head-to-head battle between this and um, Are We Just Good Friends. This one just, you know, basically picks Just Good Friends up and pile drives it to the ground. <laughs> 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 Tom, on a lighter oh i'm uh, sorry go ahead ken sorry on a lighter note elizabeth co-wrote a song for the 1996 film mars attacks oh really that's interesting <laughs> wow tom it sounds like you've come back from the land of cylon so songs to me just don't get better than this uh, like a ballad i mean this is just my definition of a perfect ballad and i i love how the the two voices sound together um, i love her voice when she comes in in the second verse and she has this like deep sultry voice and uh, it's great I, I think that going back to what we were talking about with mission statement i'm, I'm afraid a song like this in the grand scheme of things gets sort of overlooked when it's mixed, you know, in, in, in between things and people have a hard time, pe- people don't want to participate as much because they're, they've already heard something heavy and something sort of bouncy and now they're going for a, a ballad. Uh, now, I know we're in a, the prog world. We've come from Marillion and we've, we've gone through all these places. So people listening to this certainly have more of a palette and they're, they're able to sit through uh, things that, you know, people just listen to, you know, regular, you know, rock radio songs don't. So I, I think that it's a good company, but I, 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 I just, it boggles my mind that a song like this isn't heard by people in general. You know, it's just like, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of times I'll say that about fish. I'm just like, my God, like, why isn't, why is this not heard by the masses? And this is just a, such a beautiful song regardless of where it is in the whole scheme of things um i absolutely love it and i guess i bring it up guys because again this is me in my head i'm walking home from the first listen and then i'm hearing this and i'm like okay well this is a pretty song but it just you have you have to have a, um, a pulse and it just it it didn't quite fit in the whole pulse but it's i'm i'm glad that it was written and i'm i'm i'm, I'm glad it was done exactly the way it was done i think it was, it was perfectly mixed perfectly produced and i i think it's just a, an absolute gorgeous song i wonder what would have happened if rick astley would have released this as a single <laughs> it could have could have went somewhere it strikes me that this is really of all the all the fish albums so far this is 
probably not the best one to experience the first time, like just walking home from the store that you bought it from, you know, because it is so disjointed. The first, like Joe said, the first three tracks are just, I mean, everywhere. Like there's no, after, after track three, you're like, where the hell am I now? What's going to happen? Right. right. You, you've been right. so many places. And, and, and it's kind of funny the way that the tracking then, because going from incomplete into tilted cross, you, you think maybe you've landed in a certain place. But it's not, mm. it's not a place that no. you're going to stay for very long. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Which, which is a brilliant segue, Joe, to Tilted Cross. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even we, practice it. <laughs> we like this album so much. We're only on track four. I, you know, Tilted Cross, I... I it, Tilted Cross reminds me of something else, and I can't quite put my finger on what it was. And that happened to be a fish quote, in case you didn't pick up on that. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, I literally though I, I can't quite I can't quite connect the dots on, on what it is. But I do think it's it's very beautiful and it's soothing. It kind of dissipates some of the tension that existed in incomplete. And I think, you know, Fish's vocals here fit exceptionally well, and he's very relaxed in this. He's not full-blown sitting in the, on, the, on the rocker on the porch yet, but he is more relaxed, although that's not to say that this song is a happy song by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's peaceful, but if you look at the lyrics here, you know, it's it's it seems to me to be, you know, pretty, pretty heavy. There's a message that's been left in the long grass by a stranger who's passed this way before. Planted seed from which we reap a bitter harvest from his long forgotten war. I left my love in a grave and I marked it with a cross that will stand so straight and true. It's not alone in the shade of the valley. They're what remains of the ones we once knew. Walk with me, my child, but tread softly on this earth. Keep a close eye where your feet touch, um, where your feet they touch the ground. Watch out for the signs and heed what they say. One false step and all is lost in the land of the tilted cross. Yikes. Joe, that was really deep. But at the same time, this is the only song written <laughs> in the history of man. Written by Dick Jackson and Johnson. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, this is the only thing that separates us between the between the you and me podcast. <laughs> well, well played, Ken. Well played. <laughs> I, but there I, are three. There are three co-authors on this. Song. Uh, yeah i i got I got nothing after that. Um, <laughs> Paul or Tom, how do you feel about Tilted Cross? <laughs> I absolutely love it. I, I love the, um, the the simple melody, and I love having the two voices sing all the way through. 
a it's an example of simplicity and and making something out of making something wonderfully deep out of something simple and and not having a huge production with it and i think this this song works well with the simple production it, it's just it's, it's a beautiful song and as you did mention joe you know it's the first time that we have two songs together that you know kind of work work well together so you're you're enjoying that but it's a this is a this is a beautiful song i really enjoy the guitar i i really enjoy the soundtrack dissonance going on here and uh, for 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 some strange reason i always think of led zeppelin when i when i hear this song like i okay i don't know why i just kind of want to i'm like wow it would be really cool to hear like robert plant sing this you know, it's got kind of that uh, going to California-ish kind of. It's what, just for whatever reason, it, it brings it up. That it's definitely a highlight. I almost wonder if he could have opened the album with it just to preserve that space hmm. for launching into the more complex material. In any other album, it would have surfaced as a single, I feel. Yeah, but because this album is so deep and so melodic, it doesn't necessarily get its due. Yeah, you're right, Ken. I mean, following up after Incomplete, it's hard to follow up with a song like that and walk away saying, "Oh, that's a beautiful song," uh, because of, you know you're you're coming from Incomplete. But it's it, it does get lost a little bit. Yeah, I would. Yeah, you know, this album it might be an interesting exercise if we. Uh, took the first half of this album and sort of moved a couple of the songs around because it seems like that's a, a common denominator here with us. But um, it, it, it does it does get lost a little bit, but it, it, is a, it is a beautiful song. And for me, it's a musical mantra. Just the, uh, the I don't know, the dotted eighth notes or something, but the boom, boom, da, 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 da. Uh, it just It just puts me in the zone as soon as it hits. It, 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 it's beautiful. So thank you for turning me on to this. And, and then we go to a cover song. Right. Like, and, and so at this point, you think, okay, I know what I'm dealing with. And then Faith Healer starts. Now, there are a couple, there are a couple threads on, on Faith Healer that, that get me excited. Ken, as you pointed out, it's a cover song. But even before that, like, you've kind of gotten into this more, you know, acoustic space. And you've kind of calmed down and, and whatever else. And Faith Healer is just positively filthy in all the best ways and and it's just like holy wait what and and, and you're brought back to the, the the jarring um you know bucket of ice from from tumble down now let's let's talk quickly in palaver terms about this as a cover what's really interesting is this song was also covered by one of my favorite bands the church also in 1999 on their album a box of birds i had the i i had to go back and listen to that version as well as the original version and i have to tell you i think this fish version is the best of the three by far it could be but if you follow the wikis um to this particular song to find out that it was in fact um, originally recorded by the sensational Alex Harvey band on their 1973 album Next, which just so happens to be featured in 
1001 albums you must hear before you die. <laughs> now, always looking for any excuse to to refer to this tome, I felt that I had to bring it in here. So, so let's let's just talk a little bit very quickly about the source material. 2 years after Glasgow band Teargas met Alexander Harvey, fully 16 years their senior, the partnership's second album gave them a career highlight. After a UK tour supporting Slade forged a gung-ho mentality, they performed Next and Faith Healer on BBC TV's Old Grey Whistle Test in 1973. You nailed it. The band's mixture of hard rock and theatrically com um, theatricality, combined with Harvey's vocals and demonic charisma, made them a powerful draw. Jacques Brel's title track, Tale of Depravity, could have been tailor-made for Harvey with its lyrical references to whorehouses and sexually transmitted diseases. Faith Healer, meanwhile, single-handedly made them the hit of the 1973 Reading Festival when Harvey's question, Can I lay my hands on you? was met by a frenzied, arms-aloft response from 30,000 festival-goers. Quote, Everyone went completely wild, end quote, guitarist Zal Clemenson confirms. Yet, like so many great rock and roll moments, it was born out of pure chance. Basic Bassist Chris Glenn, quote, Faith Healer was an accident. In those days, the cassette had to be the same length on each side, and we ended up about two minutes short, so we stuck a loop on the front of it. Yeah. With Harvey and keyboardist Hugh McKenna now in songwriting harness and producer Phil um, Wayneman on board to add vital chart know-how, the stage was set for further triumphs, but a combination of bad luck, fatigue, and mismanagement, not to mention a novelty hit single with Delilah that did them more harm than good, all helped show the band's progress. Here ends the reading. Too bad. Now, yeah, that, that that original whistle test video is just amazing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I haven't I haven't seen the video, but I do I do absolutely love it. I I, I think this this version of this song, this recording, feels very Stephen Wilson to me. I, I I don't exactly know why I say that, but it just has that feel to it. And one of the things that I absolutely love and, and one of the things that I think separates it from the other versions that I've listened to, I haven't listened to the uh, the one by the guy from Nitzareb, but what separates this out is, is the violin solo. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And when it comes in, it adds a level of intensity that I think the other versions lack. This, this violin solo is... Uh, as good as it gets i mean it's just taking the instrument and almost reinventing it and and it's just coming out with a, a lot of fantastic sounds and um the violin solo is a standout uh, i i have a i i have to admit something guys i didn't know that this was a, this was a cover <laughs> and, uh one of my notes is uh, that is that <laughs> get this one of my notes of the song is that I'm disappointed that someone who is of vicious caliber and writes such great lyrics rhymes fire and desire. Uh, <laughs> probably one of the most cliche things that you can possibly do. And uh, that always sort of broke my heart when I, when I heard this. So 
I'm actually feeling good that I didn't <laughs> write this song, even though I do enjoy the song. Uh, I, 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 I do love the song. I'm actually glad that he didn't because um, that, you know, rhyming, that, that rhyme has sort of um, come, come to be a bit of a cliche. So, uh, but I mean, to do, to, to do things that they did with, with the, with the string sections and the, and, and the, and, and, and the solo is just phenomenal. This is, this is great. Yeah. This, this song is great. And I, Tom, I'm with you. I didn't realize it was a cover. Um, well, although I do have the uh, Alex Harvey and the church's bands set for the notes, um, their videos. Um, I did not realize it was a cover. And I had, I wrote down that if I were going to compile a list of fish songs that I would like to hear sung by Rob Halford, this would be at the top of the list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, It's got that same, I don't know, harmonic complexity or melodic complexity, but it, it it's like kind of sticking to the pentatonic while also being edgy. Yeah. And in, and in this, the style that, that they've put it together here, I would, that, to me, it fits perfectly. Like I just, <laughs> I just want to hear a guest vocal spot here. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, I mean, we I mean, we said it to death, right? Like, how is this track five on this album? I totally love it. It, I, I, I think it's fantastic. But just what the hell? It's a little surprising. What's the covers album from Fish? Is is that getting Palaver attention? It is not. We've already skipped it. It's uh, songs <laughs> from the mirror. <laughs> See, we skip songs from the mirror, and he still jams one right into our faces. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. At least it's this. And we learned a lot from this one. Yeah, and, 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 and it does. I mean, it, it does kind of catch you off guard, right? Because, again, you've, you've kind of gotten into this sort of serene place, musically at least. And then all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap. The, the tracking on this album is peculiar. I don't know how I would change it. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I hate it. It's just noteworthy. I'm, I'm going to picture from now on when I when I listen to this album, I'm, I'm going to picture Ken running. He's listening to this album, and then he starts off. He's running real fast, <laughs> and then 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 he starts like going around these curves, and he then then like Ken starts going around in circles. And then he goes upside down. (laughs) If you're running to this album, Ken, this must be quite the experience. (laughs) It it, it takes, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Takes an effort. And it's worth it. It's my palaver homework. So where do we go after this, Joe? We go to rites of passage. Now, I'll be honest. Musically, this song is maybe a bit of a snoozer, but I don't hate it. It The note I have here is this seems very much like something late model Sarah McLachlan would do. Fascinating. My um, note was my note was this was Fish's entry for the soundtrack of the 1997 film Titanic. <laughs> and I think it'd actually be more appropriate. 
because just goes to prove happy endings don't exist. Right? And le- unless you <laughs> unless you call like nine people surviving happy, I mean. And I I'm I'm glad you brought that up Paul cuz I absolutely <clears throat> love that line, right? And so here again we we'll take a moment and we'll read some fish lyrics. You knew that it was wrong. You think that saying sorry is going to make it seem all right. Maybe in this song you will hear me for the first time and you'll start to see the light. With this rite of passage, I reclaim my heart. I take my leave as if on cue. I play no further part in your self-penned dramas where each stolen kiss just goes to prove that happy endings don't exist. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's the, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, like I said, it, in, in some ways, it's almost a palate cleanser, a, 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 breath, a breath in before you get into Plague of Ghosts. Um, again, it's, it's not unpleasant. I don't know. It just doesn't really, it doesn't do a whole lot for me either way. And, and I think the sort of, the, the, the plinky piano outro is... It's very New Age slash Disney World music type thing, which is, it's kind of like, well, that's kind of weird, at least here. But, you know, I, I, you know, that's, I just don't know what to do with it. Okay, I was going to say something other than Disney, but the, the arc of the melody is very non-fish. He's drawing on some influence it does sound a bit movie soundtrack, but just the inflection in the verses and, and, and the rising feeling that he gets in the, the string accompaniment is kind of counterintuitive to his formulas. I don't know. Tom, Tom where do you go with this song? Um, I, can, I can hear that, Ken. I, I think because I'm so used to listening to this album, I, I've gotten used to the, the the dichotomy of some of these songs so um yeah, today when i was listening to it I, I was noticing the beauty of the song and it was just a few minutes ago we were talking about how tilted cross tilted uh, tilted cross sometimes gets uh o- overlooked <clears throat> because of what's going on to me writes a passage even more so um i think it's even more beautiful and it it it's it sort of gets gets forgotten so but it's it's this is a another beautiful song but to answer to to get to what you're talking about ken um i i do uh i i agree with that i think one of the things that um fish has in a song like incomplete is the other voices coming in whether it's a harmony or the female voice in the um, second verse or what what have you and that sort of comes into its own style here we just have his voice and we have a minimalistic arrangement and mm-hmm. I think it, it stands out more it's I don't know if it's different from his style as it is that we're not used to hearing him with more of a bare bones accompaniment around him. So I, 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 I see what you're saying, but it doesn't it sort, of, sort of fits after, you know, you 
30 years of listening to it. He's but I, I think this is another beautiful song, and I, uh, I, I really enjoy it. I, I do enjoy it. I would almost wager that Rites of Passage is our first vision into Weltsmerch. Do you see where I'm going with that? With a lower vocal range and with mm, the, the, the different melodic techniques. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and really, the, the people playing on it, Mickey Simmons plays keyboards, Elliot Ness plays strings, and, and, and that's it. That's how sparse it is. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, can, I can see that, Ken. Nice. Yeah, that's an interesting point, Ken. I, I, you know, t Tom. To me, what you're describing is just the just the general. There's just not not a lot of dynamics to this, which does kind of, I don't know, just kind of makes it sort of just like feel like it meanders along a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I do like it. It's it's just it's such such different different thing. I like that, Ken. That's a very interesting perspective, though. Never thought about that. Any excuse to pronounce Veltsmerch. <laughs> Can we go into Plague of Ghosts? Let's do it. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Paul, you made the point, you know, you, you wish that this record would have opened up with this. You know, if it had been a vinyl, you know, would have been side one. I, I don't have, honestly, comprehensive notes on the whole suite. I've got a couple of notes on the, the beginning part. And quite frankly, I just, I become too entranced in the music and I just, I lose my desire to, to stop and, and write my thoughts down. Um, you know, I, I think when, and, and there was some, some discrepancy, right. With how this is labeled on, on the, uh, the streaming services and, and whatnot. I showed, I sent you guys a picture of my CD and where, you know, plague of it's, it's clear that this is a, a, a suite. And what's interesting is it sounds musically like old haunts should flow directly from rites of passage musically. But when you listen to it on Spotify, there's a pause there. And actually when I listen to it on the CD, there's also a pause. So it, it doesn't, even though it, it sounds like it should flow right into it, it, it doesn't, which I find um, a little bit jarring. As a whole, I think it's a just a, a beautiful, beautiful piece of, of music. I think it's, you know, it, it has a lot of the things that you would want from, you know, a long-form prog piece in that it, you know, there, there are a couple of really good hooks in here. It, it goes sort of a lot of different musical places. And I think when you get to the, um, you know, and, and, it, and it has a lot of the, the fish things, so you get the spoken word in there, which is spectacular in, in that regard. I think it, it, it's kind of related a little bit to some of the things on sunsets um, on empire. And when you get the rain gods dancing section, right? I mean, you get that, that payoff of, of the, repeating the lyrics but in a completely different mm -hmm. you know delivery which i just think amen is, brother is absolutely you know it that it it's a gimmick right it's a bit of a trick but it's one it's that steve hogarth award for fucking mantras oh, that's what it right is. but it i i it's one that i respond to and and it it just pays off for me and i think 
I think it's beautiful. And mm-hmm. and I will say, you know, the the highlight of this though has got to be digging deep. I that just <laughs> The mm-hmm. the the vocal line on that just fries my brain every time, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I mean, there's so much. It's funny. The the I agree with you on the digging deep. I just fucking love love the the vocal and the cadence and the the way he delivers it. The the funny thing. So waving at stars, I think, was the first thing outside of the opening piano track that really made me stop and like, you know, run over to the phone and see what, what track it was, but the rain gods dancing and the, and the production and the piano, I have a reaction like, wow. My reaction was kind of like, this is like fish is catching up to Marillion, right? Like it's, it was taking me to like some like, things like marbles kinds of things right yeah and then i and then i realized well this this predates marbles like merlion hasn't even gotten there yet right and he's he's there which i was i was like kind of blown away by and it really made me it's those two things waving at stars waving at stars and rain gods dancing and that sort of revelation that i had literally made me go okay and i don't even whatever i was doing i literally stopped what i was doing and i sat down on the couch and i started the record over again and and it it was really what kind of launched me into this you know i i have a i have a lot to say about this section one of the things i love about this section and that i appreciate now that I'm, i'm looking back there is to me a mark kelly influence in here that I, I I really feel that the rest of the album could 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 use um, it's like uh, almost as glue, <laughs> and uh, I know that when you um, listen to this section, uh, uh, it, you know in in Rain God's dancing, in particular, there is an arpeggio sort of Mark Kelly influence yes. that that is played by um, Tony Terrell. And it's sort of like, and I think you kind of alluded to this, Paul, it's sort of like the closest thing that we've come to Marillion since, uh, you know, Fish, has, Fish left the band. And it just feels so good. <laughs> it just, yeah. it just, it's, just, it's, it's just like, ah, you were just like waiting for this glass of water the whole time. And then this comes in and, and you're just like, you're just, you're just, in, in amazement, you're just in a perfect place, and it's a there's a stream of consciousness that's that's in in this, and with the sort of trip hop beat and all that's going on, and I think that's really um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but you know in the beginning you were talking about how you really like the sort of late '90s feel and mm-hmm. the technology. Um, as soon as you said that, Ken, I Misses the automatically peak. came to this part, you know. Yep. The, the sort of trip hop and the and the and the and, and the samples and I, I thought it was really well done and this does not sound like you know some one guy and a bunch of hired guns coming in that's it does it, this feels like a band that's been together for a while and in some this may have been you know not not the case not what they intended but it, it was nice to hear a little bit of a, a mark kelly influence because it just it really helps it it just it sounds 
it's great. That's what we've sort of known to love about fish in that area of Marillion and, and even what Marillion have, have, have brought to the table since then and what Mark Kelly has continued to do. Uh, but it, 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 it really um, works here as an element that holds everything together. And I want to give you an example. There's so many dynamic changes in this, but you don't, you, you're not taken out of it. You got like, you know, weird frog stuff and he's talking and then you got like, you know, digging deep and you got your, mm-hmm. your jamming and then you have, you know, big mantra things that are going on and, and you're at no point when I hear this, do I go, Oh my gosh, what, what's going on here? Why am I, why are we stopping? Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of, it sort of flows. And I, I, I think the presence of the keyboards are one of the elements that I, I, I give credit to for, for that. But um, it's just interesting that, you know, it, so you can do dynamic changes. You can do all these, all these things and sort of flow works really well. Joe, you mentioned the recurring lyrics. I think you were, you were talking about make it happen when they sing, make it happen. When, when he sings, make it happen. It's sort of recurring from the perception of, 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 of Johnny Hunter. And there, there's a, there's a couple other things, but to, to end like that. Uh, now, last week we talked about, and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything to, to back me up. But we talked about how Sunsets on Empire and this. At, at one point, he talked about having a double album, and these were a lot of these songs were supposed to be on the same album. And I forget where I originally read this. I tried to find things and sort of backed up what I originally uh, read. Um, I didn't find a lot, have, have a lot of success, but I think to have the small things that do back up what I, I come up with when he says, make it happen. And there are things that you brought up that are from Sunsets on Empire um, really show that he did at maybe at some point have something bigger in mind for each of these albums. Maybe there, there was some sort of double album that he had in mind. Um, that sort of he, he put on a back burner, but the fact that the second half of this album is 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 one sweet uh, makes me makes me wonder you know how much of this he had in mind for something bigger, uh, but it, it it really works well no, no mm-hmm. matter what it, and no matter what he wanted or no matter what he intended uh, it this is nice because it's sort of puts a little bit of a bookend to this place and time in, in Fish's career from sort of tying everything into Marillion a little bit. So, and, and it sort of gives us that, 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 that taste of Marillion that we love with the, with the stream of consciousness that, that we love in Marillion stuff. So um, there's just, there's a, a, a lot going on here. And um, this is just a, a, a wonderful I mean, this you know, to me, this is this is the these knees of the album. So when I, when I finish this, mm-hmm. I should go back to the beginning of this section and listen to it again, and then and then I'm and, and then I'm done the album after I've listened to this second half of the album twice. That's awesome. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm just well, in in in. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ken. Well, uh, Tony Terrell is very forthcoming in his experience. He's actually on LinkedIn with his experience. He has three stints with fish 
1998, 2002, and he did a late stint with Fish that would appear to be 2015 through 2017. And he's also credited for being the keyboard player and musical director in a Genesis tribute called Visible Touch. I like that. Oh, that's quite a bit. clever. That's really clever. And just to show his groove and his interest in other styles of music, um, he was a keyboard player in New Purple Celebration, a Prince tribute. Oh. So he's, he's this, this guy is pretty good. Oh, uh, needless to say, he was a technician, tour manager, and engineer with Thomas Dolby. Okay. Wow. Tony Terrell. Yep. Awesome. So a couple things. Um, I, I happen to be looking at um, some information on the website where I was looking up the lyrics. It would appear that this album was released in April of 1999 on my father's birthday, actually. Mm, good so, work. So we have we have solved that mystery. I do have I do have a bit of a lengthy um, passage from the Fish interview regarding Plague of Ghosts that I'd like to read into the record here. One thing with Plague of Ghosts I was really concerned with was the whole thing starts with. Um, starts off with a person in a kind of coma in a hospital bed. You don't know why he's there. What I was really scared about was if I wrote a song about that, we would imply that it was a suicide and it would have been very easy. But it's not. I mean, it could have. It could be a suicide. It could be a drug overdose. It could be the guy has just gone into a catatonic state, like he's withdrawn from life. There's a lot of sweet reference. dreams, you. Bastard. <laughs> I, was just thinking, I was thinking the same thing. Oh my God. There's a lot of references to kind of like the power of nature. There was a lot of feelings from things like Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness and Coppola's Apocalypse Now. The vision I have of Heart of Darkness is like the little boat puffing its way up the river and the jungle overhanging and this big omnipresent power of nature just hanging there. And in the river is this little man that's grown up on on this floor of algae and life and creatures. And the boat is actually something that's alien there. And the same thing was kind of the style to read Copeland's Girlfriend in a Coma. And there's a lot of similarities I found in there between that and what I was trying to do. I kind of read the last section, which is the Rain God's Dancing section and Girlfriend in a Coma is an amazing book. It's kind of like, um, it's a kind, it's in a kind of science fiction environment, but there's like nobody there. The person is kind of like the last person on the planet. So very mm. cool. I would also point again, I have not read Heart of Darkness, but I would point to the spoken word section in Chocolate Frog, which seemed to really tie in some of the images that based on my cursory um, research onto that seems to really pull that in. But I mean, there there's a wonderful, just a host of wonderful words throughout this entire section that I just find to be very compelling. And I think it's married very well with the music. And I think it's it's just absolutely beautiful. Totally oh, yeah. agree. Totally agree. Any other thoughts then on, on Plague of Ghosts in all of its various parts and forms? Oh, my. Um, I thought you guys would be speaking for hours and hours on this, but it, it, it's, it's amazing. And the end is... 
Floydian. I mean, uh, yeah. E- educate me here, but what is the last movement called? Wake up call. Make it happen. Yes. Forgive me if if I do my geeky little delve into Floydian music theory, but my God, this is brilliant. Stand by. After some of the things that Ken has been saying about fish music, to to have him say this is brilliant, I'm excited. Well, I, I, I think Fish finally found the impetus, the collaborators, the technology, and he put it all together, and, and, and it's just wonderful. But, but what I found uh, him using, and, and can we credit, let me see, Dick Terrell and Daghorn. Okay, so this entire suite... Yep was written by a, a trilogy. And, and and this goes right back to the beginning of the flavor and right back to, Joe, your original premise that three co-authors is really the magic form. I mean, you know, in yes in particular, but, yep. but, but here it manifests itself in the fish catalog. Okay, so fine. You know, you, you've, you've got Plague of Ghosts in, in, in D, but it's not any old... D minor, okay? It's actually D Dorian, which is pulling in this form, kind of from the the Pink Floydian blues influences. So when you go to the the four chord, it's actually major because it's Dorian and then back to the minor. But when they come down from it to get out of it with that transition, the, the five is a major A chord, which sounds creepy. <laughs> it sounds harmonic minor. It sounds like church music or Bach music or, or just something creepy. And then he goes, or, or, ah, it stays on the A7. That's what it does. It stays on the A7, but the bass moves down from the A to the G move it down again to an F and then down a half step to an E. Do you guys feel that, that, that vibe that he's got there? And then back home (laughs) to the D minor. And that whole thing just reminds me of, you know, the, the the early roots of psychedelic Prague. It's it's beautiful. So the feel that I get from that is mad world. Oh, Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, but I got to tell you, like, uh, I mean, listen, I feel like I, I love it when we come on here and say, oh, I love this album. And then like every other word out of my mouth is like, I hate this part. <laughs> but but like the, with this sweet Plague of Ghosts, like I kind of feel like the ending is a little soft for me. Like it just like I'm I'm glad that the story is all tidied up. But it just kind of. I don't know. It it doesn't quite it doesn't quite deliver it for me. And the and the mad world vibe that I get for whatever reason, I like I really like what you just did, Ken. So maybe maybe that will help me. But you know, I kind of feel like this is the white feather of like plague of ghosts. <laughs> oh, it's it's oh I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you strongly. <laughs> it's it's way more pleasurable and and much less incongruous than white feather, but. It, it it is it is but but that's kind of the 
the direction that I'm that I'm taking in there. It's just it's just a little bit of a letdown for me. Uh, of otherwise a masterful suite of 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 music. Well, Tears for Fears keeps popping up because of the Nick DiVirgilio connection, the Prague influences and sowing the seeds of love and getting all Beatles and trippy. Yeah. Um, They're so, fucking great. So, yeah, yeah. So, so tipping the hat to Tears for Fears. Um, and Paul, you, your, your musical sensibilities in your ears, you know, I just detailed a D Dorian uh, chord progression that Fish used. Uh, Mad World is a minor, but also Dorian. So you're, what you're hearing is uh, a song that's essentially in A minor. Yeah. But 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 then it has these funky mm-hmm. yeah. D major chords in in the chorus, which which really take you to a different proggy place. You know, they they, they talk about the modes like Lydian is the prog mode or whatever, but but <laughs> Dor- Dorian is just as as present in 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 our world of prog. Outstanding. I mean, you know, I, this this is part of what I love about doing this with you guys. Um, you know, it, it's this level of in depth knowledge and analysis <laughs> that I don't think you get many other places. Dorian with harmonic minor thrown in, just 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 to be geeky enough for everybody that's out there going to send us hate mail. We need to do a mailbag episode, um, but that has nothing to do with anything. I, you know, I, I, any other thoughts on on Plague of Ghosts after we've had this uh, masterclass from from Kenny G? I, I just ordered the uh, deluxe edition off of uh, Fish's website. Did you? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Got to nice. got to support uh, Fish. So. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm I'm really, really glad, honestly, that we had an extra week with this record. I think, you know, like I said, even even me, who have has always liked this record, I benefited from the extra time with it, and um, very, very excited. And I think I have I have to check the um, I have to check the schedule, but I want to say that after this record, we will. I think there's Fellini days and then we will switch back into Peter Gabriel mode for up. Um, so I, I'm pretty sure that's the way that, uh, that relationship goes. And, um, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes with regards to the, the, the next few fish albums. I believe it's uh, Fellini days, field of crows and 13 star before we get into um, a feast of consequences. But, you know, I, and and I'll spend more time with those, but for me, this is this is actually a you know a, a, a if it's not the high water mark, it is a high water mark certainly in the catalog. And I really really enjoyed this record, so um, I'm glad I'm glad that we had the extra time with it. I'm glad that Ken, you and and Paul, you know, sort of were able to find some things. To, uh, to hang on to here and and have you know a really great discussion about the record so thanks guys here here it was fun absolutely thank you great. all right happy so, birthday mucho happy birthday mucho uh gentlemen we will convene next episode for i'm pretty sure fellini days also by fish and um look forward to uh to talking about that with you guys
hope you've enjoyed this episode of Progressive Palaver. As always, we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you, and we look forward to your thoughts, comments, feedback, and questions. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at ProgPala on all of those, or search for Progressive Palaver. You're welcome to email us. Our email address is progpala at gmail.com. Progressive Palaver is available for subscription and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or presumably wherever you find your podcasts. And we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. So until next time, thanks for listening.